how can we use technology to increase connection and activate generosity versus how can we use technology to increase efficiency? From Virtuous, I'm Noah Barnett, and this is the Responsive Fundraising Podcast, a show where we talk with fundraising leaders and thinkers to uncover how today's top nonprofits craft remarkable donor experiences and build lasting relationships at scale. In today's episode, Dan Reed is back. He's the CEO and co-founder of Seed Fundraisers. And we unpack an important question for all fundraisers as you head into 2020. And that's how do you actually shift your fundraising to inspire and activate today's donor? But not only just today's donor, but how do you do this at scale? This is an important question and one we unpack during the episode. So let's dive in. Here at Seed, we we uh yeah we, we love poetry, which is a little odd. Like the poetry and fundraising generally don't go together. Uh, but one of the things we love about poetry is that it it it, it incites something in us. It, it it translates something that is so true, and yet we don't have words for it. And one thing I'm interested in, like like I have, there are there are times that have uh, I have read a book or read an article or read a or read a poem that activated generosity in me that no direct response appeal could have ever done. And yet we're talking about a mass communication. It's a mass produced content. Um, and, and I responded, I, it activated something in me. And I've thought about that a lot over the last couple of years is uh, how, man, how do we start to shift our fundraising storytelling? How do we start to shift our fundraising, our, mass, our communication strategies that to, to really activate something uh, in us in a way that uh yeah is more about generosity and less transactional i don't know if that makes sense but no it definitely uh, does and i and i think i i love i love the word like there's two words that i go back to to describe fundraising um more often than not and the first one is one you continue you've kind of echoed multiple times in this conversation is this idea of activation and if you really look into activation it's assuming that there's already potential there and it's your role as a fundraiser to actually activate that potential, not convince or manipulate or guilt someone into doing that. You're activating that. Yes. And I think like the fundamental belief that it already exists, the potential is there and our role is to activate changes the entire mindset, I think, and just some of the approaches that we take towards our donors because we're seeing them as people with potential and desire. And it's our role to kind of unlock or activate that in a way that makes sense and is going to help, you know, grow generosity in their own spirit, which ultimately helps grow impact around the world and in a variety of different causes that many listening to this are working on day in and day out. Um, yeah. And it's that activation that actually drives change. And I think that, again, goes back to like, if we look at the posture of kind of traditional fundraising models that say, you know, who gives? Okay, let's continue to, you know, send them appeals. How do we continue to manufacture that? How do we, you know, keep, let's, let's buy a list of all the people that are already giving. You're really just going back and fishing and fishing and fishing and fishing and fishing until, you know, we're kind of, running out of those fish or those fish feel wrung out. And it feels much more of like your posture too. Or I think if we say, oh, let's activate, even if it's not a major gifts program or they don't have the potential to give a lot today, it's how do we actually build a holistic view of our cultivation program? 
and, and bringing donors in and engaging them in our cause. And I think that is an opportunity that today more than ever, like donors want, you know, based on our research, like they want to be a part of, not merely give to the causes they care deeply about. But also technology has actually enabled organizations to do more personalized human connection and engagement with donors than ever before. Um, and we're seeing that. Um, and, I, and, I, and you're probably seeing that in your work too at Seed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we certainly are. I think one of the challenges to it all is that it's, it's easy to allow technology, like it's easy to see technology as merely a tool for efficiency. Um, and in, in that regard, it, it can actually decrease connection uh, because it's more about like getting it done. <laughs> you know, uh, so as an example, um, technology allows us to reach more people with more touch points in a, in a smaller given a time, in a smaller given time than ever before. And on one level, that's like great, right? I mean, we can look at uh, we can look at telethons, ro- you know, robocalls, and we can say, wow, we can reach ten thousand people in less time than we could ever do before. And and on some levels, uh, on, in some ways, those touch points are still helpful and meaningful. I think that the question is, and it's a rigor; it requires rigor and creativity. Is how can we actually use technology to increase connection? And certainly the technology is merely a tool to do that. But I think it's the direction you take that tool. It's the direction you take that technology, which is how can we actually, how can we use technology to increase connection and activate generosity versus how can we use technology to increase efficiency um, and, and, and go more towards volume-based touch points, which it does not, does not equate to connection. No, not at all. And I think that's where we tried to make a, like draw a line in the sand because we said, you know, what, draw like what um what is fundraising all about how can we build lasting relationships with donors and it led us to the word you just said connectedness but when we dug into like relationship science and started really trying to unpack what drives connectedness we landed on this idea of responsiveness and it's yeah. responsiveness within a relationship that actually leads to connectedness and so our thing is is that like how do you actually use technology and people and kind of the collective resources you have to actually create an environment that's much much more built on responsiveness and this isn't just like reactive fundraising but yeah. it's reactive it's proactive it's like but it's it's built on this concept of responsiveness which starts with listening and then connecting and then engaging and progressing the relationship in a way that makes the most sense for that relationship and that's what we're seeing nonprofits doing with technology and that's exciting An area that I, I, I want to kind of land on, you know, to provide some practical things, because I think we've kind of uh, created, you know, a, a path of hope and kind of aspiration. Um, but ultimately, like, you know, we live in an environment where like fundraising is tough and the world we live in continues to change, yet now it's really our new normal. And so you're in coaching and training, but and and I want to kind of 
get your lens on this because you're you're kind of in the weeds right alongside people that are navigating this new reality. Like, how are you coaching fundraise fundraising leaders to really navigate this new reality of change and and new and kind of attention is so distracted. Um, competition is more fierce than ever. You know, donors are opting out of the process. Like, how do you coach fundraisers, fundraising leaders to navigate that reality? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the first thing I'd say is that in in annual giving, direct response fundraising, I actually think I don't have a great, I don't have all, I don't have great answers. Um, I think that we are we are in the process of of combining this this uh, desire for a different posture, this this idea of of responsive fundraising. With well, well, how does that actually how does that actually affect and change the tactics of of uh, what we all know as direct response fundraising? Right? Uh, how does that actually change the tactics? So, um, and and I think we're still trying to figure that out. I think that in major gift fundraising, certainly that we are we uh, at Seed we have conversations around um, really really allowing the donor to drive timelines. Um, and so that's, that's an example in major gift world. We talk about, we talk a lot about, um, uh, of, talk kind of like the checklist of, of things that we want to achieve relationally before we ask permission to submit a gift proposal. And so in major gift fundraising, uh, those three things are one that we have relational, that the donor has relational comfortability with the fundraiser. So that 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 relational that relational conduit. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to say that, but it's hard to say exactly what that looks like. But but there's a there's a relational warmth. I'm not talking. I'm not saying your best friends, uh, but I am saying a relational comfortability war, warmth, i.e., trust between donor and, and fundraiser. Number two is is that there's there's organizational credibility, and that all, all that means is that the donor believes that the organization organization is capable of doing what it says it's going to do does the donor believe that the organization is capable of doing what it says it's going to do that's what we're looking for number two number three is we've actually heard the fundraiser has actually heard uh this the donor's story that the fundraiser has actually heard the donor communicate a heart for uh their work and not until we check those three boxes, not until we have we've developed a relationship that achieves those three things, uh, do we recommend to our clients that they ask permission to submit a gift proposal. And by the way, that asking permission, permission-based fundraising is, is critical here, absolutely critical, because it's appropriately deferential uh, to, the, to the donor's story, to the donor's passion and heart. And so those three things I think would be on the major gift slide, side of things. Those are, those are ways, those are tactical kind of like tangible ways in which we recommend uh, going about major gift fundraising. Um, on the, on the uh, event side of things, uh, events are fascinating, right? I mean, events are like this, this way in which we ask ourselves the same question, which is like, how do we, how do we activate generosity? How do we have, how do we execute responsive fundraising um, beyond transactional fundraising? And you know, it's funny because in events, and <laughs> we all talk about like, well, you know, you just put out a good bar and then you make that ask after, at the end of the time, at the end of the night, 
And, uh, you know, that's our answer. <laughs> you know, like, you get <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Like, like we're fattening the cow before we, you know, yeah. take them to slaughter. <laughs> totally. Totally. It's like, this is not activating generosity. This is not, this is not, uh, redemptive fundraising in any way. Uh, um, and so the question though is, is how do you do that in an event setting? And so there's three things here. I, I'll just, I'll just, uh, kind of talk about it, which is we talk about the DNA of a trans- transformational event. Um, we want we want organizations fundraising events to be a, a a marker in someone's year. We want when I show up to an event and a fundraising event, I want it to be a a marker in my year. I want it to be a one of those moments across my year that challenged me that 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 pointed me to something else. It wasn't just another party. It wasn't just another fun thing to do. We want it to be fun. We don't want to take the fun out of events, but we, but we, need, to, we, need, we need a serious infusion of meaningful experience in these events. And so uh, we, we talk about the DNA of a transformational event. Number one is uh, that, a, that a great event is designed to be a mirror. And what we mean by that is when I show up to an event, a fundraising event, there should be some point in that program there should be some point in my experience with your event that actually asks a, a question of me. It actually ex- helps me expose something about myself. It reflects me. Um, and so an example of this might be either from stage, someone poses a question that might say, like, when was the last time you spoke to this population personally? So let's say we're, we're working on a rescue mission. When was the last time that you actually rolled down your window and talked to someone that was on the street, right? Just a, it was just a question from stage posed to me as the event attendee that made me think about myself and actually put up a mirror to myself. That's a Mm -hmm. powerful moment. That's a powerful moment in an event. We almost always bypass it because we don't, we, we, we want to be as low as common denominator and safe as possible. Number two is we want to, we want to encourage community uh, in an event. And so in this regard, like we want to provide an opportunity for if I show up to an event that I have a felt sense that I'm in this with others, that I'm part of a community that's all pointing towards ourselves or beyond ourselves. And, uh, and so this is, this is important as well. And so an example of this might be that uh, at our, uh, either from stage or at our, our, our table at a gala or even at even in a grassroots event, like a walk or a run, we are given the opportunity to actually be able to uh, uh, share a story with someone else about why we care about, what about, about the organization. What about our story has connected us to this organization and give space and time for that and, and a facilitation to that. Uh, and then third, uh, which is the idea of, of, of uh, activation or challenge, which is, do I walk away with a commitment to do something different? Um, and so we talk a lot about uh, the non-monetary ask in fundraising, which is critical. This goes beyond events, by the way, uh, but in events, it's important. So when I show up to an event, I should be challenged to a non-monetary act. So this could be thinking differently about a, a population. This, this could be... Um, 
This could be, uh, I'll go back to the rescue mission kind of example. It could be rolling down. I'm challenged within the next seven days of that event. I will roll down my window. I will say hi to someone on the street. Um, these non-monetary acts that are actually more difficult than writing a check. That's it's it's powerful. So if you put those three yeah. things together, a mirror, a community, and a and a challenge, you put those in a in a two hour event. That's a marker on my. That's a marker of my year, and that's that's activating generosity. That's responsive fundraising, right? Um, that's a absolutely. That's engaging at a deeper level. I think within the annual giving space, we're talking about something that I don't have great answers for. But I think this mm. is a great opportunity for annual giving fundraisers, which is how do we activate generosity across Facebook? How do we, how do we gen- activate generosity in the same way I just communicated from a major gifts or events perspective? How do we communicate gener- or activate generosity through uh, through a letter? And um, and I think. I think this is something that we're really working with through kind of that seed and with the clients that we work with. Um, but I think that's important. I think above all, across all these strategies, events, major gifts, annual giving, I think primarily our big strategic, uh, our, our big strategic kind of advice is to really be clear about the invitation you make to donors. So we talk about the two invitations we extend one is the invitation to impact which is merely the answer to the question what will your organization achieve missionally in the next three to five years what will it achieve missionally in the next three to five years that's invitation number one because your answer to that is what you extend to donors and then number two is actually uh, the invitation to belonging which is not it's different than impact it's when i give to you uh, who do I become? Uh, when I give to you, what community am I participating in? And this is critical. This is, this is an identity question. This says, because I'm a donor to this organization, uh, I am joining something specific. And in that regard, um, you know, at the very end of the day, organizations need to be crystal clear about who they are and what they're trying to achieve. And, uh, and, I have no problem with an organization actually having less donors, but more committed and and uh, and uh, uh, passionate donors, convicted donors, as a result of answering those two questions. And so, I guess that would be a, a kind of a long answer to your question, Noah, which is kind of that practical advice. I think there's some of that in there per strategy, but largely, you're saying what invitations of impact and of belonging am I going to extend? Am I going to, uh, yeah, am I going to extend? What flag am I going to raise above my organization and say, if you care about this, this is the only place for you. <laughs> if, you, if, you have, if you share our heart and you care about this impact, this is the only place uh, for that, that is going to, uh, that you will want to be philanthropic alongside. That's, uh, that's powerful. So no more common denominator, lowest common denominator be, you know, be everything to everyone. I'm not interested in that type of fundraising. I'm interested in organizations being convicted, being clear, uh, and being driven. And, um, and, and that attracts the right donors. Yeah. And I think today's donors desire that. And they're telling us that with the organizations they commit to and they're voting with their dollars and their investment. And I think, 
that's what we're trying to uncover here um, on these com- or through these conversations is you know how do you make those adjustments in your strategies and I think you provided some incredibly practical ways for organizations to do that but first and foremost what I walked away with is that at the end of the day trust and connectedness these are the most valuable currencies in fundraising today and probably have always been but we've kind of lost our way and I think now, we're being forced because of donor behavior to really resurface those and understand that that's what we're after is trust and connectedness. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Responsive Fundraising Podcast by Virtuous. Each episode we've designed to really give you the insights into the philosophy, process, and playbook of leading nonprofits so that you can grow giving and build deeper relationships with the people who matter most, your donors. And if you want to dig further into responsive fundraising, we've actually put together an exclusive content pack just for listeners of this podcast. If you go to virtuouscrm.com slash podcast, that's virtuouscrm.com slash podcast, you can download a content kit that includes the responsive fundraising blueprint, which outlines all of the strategies that are involved in implementing responsive fundraising. You also get the responsive fundraising playbook, which includes 20 plus plays, which are basically strategies that you can implement today at your nonprofit to become more responsive and ultimately raise retention and increase giving. We'll also throw in a bunch of other resources and content that is going to be helpful for you as you think about how you're applying responsive fundraising at your nonprofit. And it's completely free. You can grab that at virtuouscrm.com slash podcast. <laughs>